0: Hey guys, welcome to a new episode. We're going to start today with a little bit of a punchline, kind of at my own expense, related to just, you know, underdeveloped life skills, where they'll get you, and why you really have to cultivate them. And today we're doing it through the lens of, is there a difference between I can't do something and I just don't want to do something? And I'm going to camp out really in that latter part where we might not want to do things and it might feel very uncomfortable, yet we still have to if we expect some sort of wellness to take place. And like I said, I want to start at my own expense. It was early January and I had decided that I really want to get serious about dating. But one of the things that I run into is kind of the all or nothing thinking. And you know, I'm working on that and it's less of an issue now, but even a couple months ago, this was really kind of pervasive where if I was talking to someone, I would talk to just that one person and you know, start picturing next steps with them, in spite of the fact that it just it wasn't a thing, right? It, that's not where conversation goes. It doesn't go to commitment right away. But in, in my brain, it can and it should. And like I said, less likely now. But a couple months ago, that was still the case. So I was talking with a friend and he said, I think you need to kind of cast a wider net. I think you need to do something different. Dating one person at a time is um, it's a little clunky. You're not, you're not really doing that skill very well. What would it look like to date a few people? And so I'm aggressive. If someone gives me a task, I'm going to go do the task, but I'm going to do it really well. And so I decided that it would be you know, the responsible thing to go on three dates in a span of 24 hours. And so I met a guy for an afternoon coffee date, and then I went out with a different guy for dinner that same evening, and then I met a different guy, so a a third unsuspecting fella, for brunch the next day. And in, in all of these, you know, I was in a state of just being too busy in general. In each context, they weren't really a good fit anyway, so there was some incompatibility that showed up right away. And so I I walked away not very interested in any of these three unsuspecting gentlemen's prompts towards future dates. And so all of them had ended with like, oh, I'd I'd like to see you again next weekend. And I didn't know how to say no. So I came to the end of this um, three date dynamic with three impending dates a week later because I didn't want to be uncomfortable. I didn't want to say like, no, thank you. I'm not interested. (laughs) So unfortunately, I I go Monday and I'm talking to a friend again and friend says, to me staff you have to say to these men that you're not interested. And I was like, but that's rude. That's mean. That's unkind. I'm saying something about them. And he said, no, that's what happens when you date. You're either interested or you're not. You know you're not interested. You have to indicate that to them as well. And I kind of hemmed and hawed and he said, look, there's a difference between I can't do this and I don't want to do this. The truth is you don't want to do this, but you don't have a choice because you're not interested and there's zero wins to keep this going. So on Monday, I reached out to the first guy and uh, I had called him and just said, hey, by the way, this is where I'm at with things. You know, I'm trying dating and it's just not something um, that I'm interested in doing any more with you. <laughs> I don't know how to say that kinder. But this guy was like, well, what did I do wrong? What, what What's going on here? I, I'm so surprised by this. Probably because I wasn't really upfront with the fact that, I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm a personable person. I'm, I'm kind. I like to hear people's stories. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a charmer. So, you He didn't get any vibes that I wasn't interested because in the moment I was attending. That's that's just what I do. Now, incidentally, and this is just a side tangent because why wouldn't I overshare? It's my podcast, right? As a side tangent, he started listening to my podcast and the day that I called him is the day the episode dropped about relationship red flags. And so he was like, well, was that episode about me. Did I do something wrong? What's going on here? And, you know, that was just further indication that I, I need to put a boundary in there and say, nope, it's not you. It's me, but I'm also not interested. But it was so uncomfortable. It It couldn't not be uncomfortable because I was doing something that was new to me. I was being honest about where I was at and I was expressing disinterest in someone and that's just not something I would normally do. Now, I will say, I, I went into kind of that conversation knowing that that one was going to be tough and that I had two more to go and I decided I was just going to punt the next one to Tuesday. So on Tuesday, I Facebook messaged a second guy and the second guy and said, hey, thanks so much. Um, it was great, you know, getting dessert and stuff and I just don't think right now I'm uh, interested in a follow follow-up. And he was so kind. He was like, oh, of course, that's perfectly fine. Love that we got to hang out. And then that one was that one was okay, but I still waited to tell the third guy until Wednesday. And then uh, I had texted him and just said, hey, this is where I'm at. Not really interested in it going any further. He, he took it well, but then the next morning started texting me again and was like, no, I think this is a good thing. And so I had to like re-boundary that one too. But the big takeaway for that was it's not easy to have conversations, especially ones that are uncomfortable. And we have underdeveloped skills. But it's not a matter of we can't have them, it's a matter of we don't want to have them. And there's just a big difference between the two. And so I kind of put together let's say you have conversations that have to come up, and I'm going to use some client anecdotes here in a minute too to help lend some understanding to how this clinically plays out. But when we have something that we don't want to do, there's a few things that can help us navigate the process. Number one is you go in with a plan, number two, you have to assume there will be discomfort especially if there's not a skill built there. Number three, if you need to set it down and come back to it, that's okay too, but you have to follow through on it. That if part of the plan is to convey a certain message, you have to follow through on that. The more you do that, the more you're building the skill. Now, if you do need to set it down, you do have some considerations here. The biggest one being that time under tension is where the growth happens. So if you choose to not set it down, that might actually be a more powerful way to grow skills, to kind of sit in the tension and to let the conversation unfold and to just kind of see it through till the end. That's a really cool life skill to have. And the more you do that, the more you're going to be capable of doing that. And so I want to give a few client stories where not having the conversation actually has really big consequences in their life potentially. Now, one of them was just a couple weeks ago. I'm talking with a gal and this gal is, she's so dynamic. She's, you know, she's post-divorce. So she's out dating again. And she's also someone who's in a pretty high position in uh kind of local government. And I, I will, again, cop to the fact that I have pretty bad social skills. I don't always clue into things when I should. Now, after the fact, I'm good at reflecting, but in the moment, not always great. And so she actually got a call-in session the other week and I was like, oh, you're welcome to take the call because she looked really distressed by it. And then I didn't leave the room. So I I literally sat there and eavesdropped on the entire conversation, which clinically had a lot of value because I, I heard good things, but it was probably pretty rude. But nevertheless, I digress. So she's having a conversation with a team of lawyers. They're talking about some type of negotiation where there's tens of thousands of dollars at stake and she's being assertive and she's being very intense and she's being quite boundaryed. And I watched these skills and I was actually pretty enamored by it. And then you know she hangs up the phone and we get back to our conversation. And the conversation at hand is one where she doesn't set boundaries with her family and they walk all over her. And so I'm about to use some crude language here and I apologize in advance for it because sometimes crudeness does show up, but I looked at her and I said, excuse me, but we have to have a conversation because what you just did on the phone there... That was some big girl shit. That was you being assertive and confident and very boundaried and followed through on expectation with your bevy of lawyers talking about tens of thousands of dollars. And I'm glad that I'm socially awkward enough not to leave the room because I sat here and witnessed that entire conversation. And that's some big girl shit. And so you're telling me that you can't have a conversation with your children about what's appropriate decorum when they're at your house, but you can demand certain things from your team of lawyers and you can negotiate high-level deals and you are telling me that you don't have these skills. Now, I said, I want to acknowledge you're under practice using these skills with those closest to you and I get that, but you have these skills. And so you do not get to say that you can't do these things. You can't have tough conversations because I just watched it play out. You can tell me you don't want to have these conversations and that's a different story, but you are very capable and competent and I literally just saw it play out. So we need to cultivate that skill set in the area of your life where they're not showing up yet. Now, another way that this showed up is I have a client who I work, started working with her about a year ago, and when we started working together, there were a whole host of addictions and self-soothing and self-numbing behaviors that showed up in her story. So drug use, compulsive food issues, impulsive shopping, reaching out to other men. There's a whole host of things that were going on, and she is in a committed relationship, but she's in one where she refuses to have uncomfortable conversations. So over the last year, she has done just incredible, incredible improvements overall, or she has experienced rather incredible improvements with a lot of her addiction issues because we've worked on boundaries and assertiveness and self-agency. Now, cut to when the Russia-Ukraine conflict flared up several months back. Client is living with her significant other and her significant other, he's not necessarily a conspiracy theorist, but he takes kind of emergency preparedness to the next level. So they have bug out bags and That sort of thing, which isn't all that peculiar considering the climate that we're in. That's actually something that a lot of people have on hand. But he started to put sanctions on you shouldn't be leaving the house for this. You shouldn't go to these places. You shouldn't leave at this time of day. And he started to make demands on her that really upticked in her anxiety. And suddenly she's engaging impulsive behaviors again. And I said to her, I said, here's what I'm noticing. I'm noticing a big regression from the growth that we've had. I'm noticing that you're seeking out other ways of getting attention. I'm noticing that you're engaging in secretive behaviors. So you're self-destructing and you're regressing. You're going back to behaviors from a year ago because you don't want to have a conversation with him about the fact that he's pushing up against some of your boundaries. Instead of being assertive, you're deciding to be compliant, but you're feeling very angry about it or you're feeling very agitated by it. And so you're doing things to self-soothe. And that's where she and I have the conversation about it's time to do some big girl shit because I know you can do these things. I know you are capable. I get that you don't want to but it's the very conversation you need to have if you expect to be emotionally well because right now you're engaging in behaviors that are the opposite of what you want to be true for your life and they're taking you back to places that we haven't visited for a long time and your wellness is on the other side of that tough conversation your wellness is on the other side of setting boundaries with him your wellness is on the other side of that assertiveness And so my last anecdote here is I have a client who is in a really demanding season, and so they have two young kids, and this stage of life is overwhelming. They're going to grad school, and it's just a lot, but they refuse to ask for help because one of the things running for him is that he's fiercely independent, and he doesn't want to be a bother. And so one of the things that we had to work through is, okay, we have this explosive anger showing up because there's so much overwhelm happening, yet you refuse to ask for help. And if you continue to refuse to ask for help, I don't see how the anger gets better because your healing, your health, your solution is on the other side of the uncomfortable skill of asking for help. Just because you don't want to do it, I certainly understand that. I'm fiercely independent myself, but not wanting to do it, but noticing the cost it's having on you, that's what I'm concerned about. I think we have to build the skill of asking for help. And again, I'm going to go back to this understanding of you create a plan, you assume there's going to be discomfort, you set it down if you need to, and you practice the skill again and again and again. And so we talk through, okay, you don't have to ask anyone for help, but is there a specific person or two that would be most likely to help you in this situation? And you have to reach out for them and you have to ask even though it's uncomfortable. It's not that you can't ask for help, it's that you don't want to, but I just don't see where there's another option right now because you handling all of these things on your own is not appropriate and it's leading to some big behaviors that other people are having to pay the price for. So asking for help in this person's story is one of the things they're going to have to master or the anger's going to continue. Now they can't ask for help, that's erroneous, that's not accurate. They don't want to, and when we don't want to, we have to say, why not? That's the transformative question for each of us. If there's something we know is for our good and we don't want to do it, why don't we want to do it? And then you work on building skills to master through whatever barrier showing up there. And again, that's why I talk about therapy. We literally go into the brain and we restructure things to where the things that we have barriers for, now they become an option for us. And so I work with these clients to say, it's not that you can't do it, it's that you won't do it. Let's figure out how to get it to be something that you're willing to do. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Please share this content with friends and family. Feel free to connect with Stephanie at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.